Good morning. I would like you to think back to the very first job that you had. I want you to think back to that. Some of you in the room may ha- don't, haven't had your first job yet or in your first job right now, but I want you to kind of imagine or think about back on the first job that you had. What, what was it like? What kind of responsibilities did you have? How much were you paid? I just want you to think about the first job that you had. The first job I had was when I was 14 years old. When I was 14 years old, my dad, my brother, and I, we all worked at this sports cards and collectible shop in Colorado Springs. Um, I remember it was the big craze for Beanie Babies, so we sold lots of Beanie Babies. I remember the first time and the only time that I saw a Michael Jordan rookie card, which was wor- at the time was worth like $1,500. It was a really cool card. So I remember lots of things, but I also remember how little responsibility I had. I, didn't, I just really didn't have that much responsibility. I couldn't even drive. I, was, I didn't even have a permit yet. When I had to be driven to my first job. I didn't work. And, you know, to be honest, most of my pay went back to buying sports cards and other things because I really just loved collecting those things. But I, just, I just think back on, uh, maybe you do too, just some of the jobs that you've had in your life. Um, after I'd worked that job, I did my rite of passage by working in a couple of food service jobs. Um, I worked, my very first job where I actually had responsibility was the shift supervisor at Solheim Center at, um, at Moody, at Moody Bible Institute when I was in college. Worked other jobs. Oh, I forgot. I worked, I sold women's shoes at Dillard's. That's, that, that, that paid my, that paid my seminary bill. So women, women need shoes, right? So that, that was one of the first jobs. And then I'm working on now my 12th year in full-time student ministry. And I just think about across the board, like the differences in responsibility and calling and things that I've had to do um, to where I am today, where the Lord has led me, what he has given me to do. And I think back on where we were last week as, as Pastor Aaron began this foundation series, looking at things from Genesis 1 to 3 and how they are themes that go throughout scripture. And we thought about the idea of our calling, our what, what, what are we called to do as image bearers, because we understand, I think most of us in this room would say, yes, the Bible is clear that God made us as a special creation. But one of the things that Pastor Aaron brought out last week that I think is important for us to where we're going this morning is the fact that it's not just that we are image bearers, it's that what we do, our action as image bearers, how we live that out. He talked about that last week, about that action-based image bearing, the things that we do. And so this morning, we are going to look at the topic of dominion. The idea that the word dominion, as we go into this, this continuing this series and foundation. So the the idea of the word dominion, maybe you've heard that word. It's kind of an antiquated word. It's the, it's an older word that maybe isn't used as much. Uh, the dictionary would define it as sovereignty or controlling power. Uh, we often see dominion as a word maybe in the older times, like with kings and kingdoms and, and leadership having control and power. Uh, man's desire for self-autonomy, that, that idea of having dominion over things. The Bible uses it in a healthy way of thinking of control and rule and power, the way that God has designed it. And so that's the word we're going to look at, the idea of dominion. And it, there's other aspects of, this pas- of what this passage tells us about dominion, but it's just that idea of controlling and ruling power and authority that God has given us as his image bearers. It's our, it's our action-based image bearing that we're going to be talking about this morning. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to start from where we were at last week, the same passage. Uh, we'll be in Genesis chapter 1. This is where we'll be our launching point. As always with this series, we'll be launching from somewhere in Genesis 1 through 3 and then moving out to other passages of Scripture and other theme, theme, thematic things within this topic of dominion. 
So if you would read with me, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, looking at verses 26 through 30 to begin. Genesis 1. The word of God reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. I like that again. Pastor Aaron brought it up. Let us. It's, it's a special type of creation. And let them have dominion. There's that word. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the six days. We finish that chapter one there. And so we see here that God has created us in his image. We, we've established that, that we are image bearers of him. We are special crown jewel creation with souls with eternity, that we are uh, above all things, as it says here in this passage. So we are a special creation of God. So because we are created that way, because we have dominion, we, because we are created beings that are image bearers of God, we are able to have dominion over the created order. That is our calling. We are called to have dominion over the created, created order. How does he flush that out here in this passage? You see it very clearly there at the beginning in verse 26. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So that we are the special creation. We have souls. We are, are the only beings that he's created that have, etern have eternity in, in our future. All the animals, all the other created things of this earth are underneath the authority and dominion of humankind, the image bearers of God. And that can lead to lots of things, right? Lots of discussion, lots of conversation. There, there could be lots of extremes within this, right? Because we have dominion over the earth, the created order, animals, plants, those type of things, doesn't mean that we get to have full reign and do whatever we want with them, right? We still need to be stewards. We still need to be creative. We still need to be wise and humble and serving the, the, the created order that we have been given. And so it doesn't give us authority to do whatever we want with it, right? We have to use it wisely and rightly in the way that God has designed for us to use it. We are image bearers, and we are to um, reflect that image by the way that we, the created order is treated by us as human beings. They are living things that we need to treat with respect. But it also comes to the other extreme, right? We don't want to get to the other extreme where we treat these things as if they're higher order than they are. Though we get to a place in the world that we're living in today that an endangered species matters more than a baby in the womb. We don't want to get to that point, right? We don't want that type of extreme to where we elevate the things, the created order, the, the animals, the plants, the things to a point to where we forget about God's created order, that he has put us in dominion to subdue it, to lead it, to, go, to guide it. And so you see here that we are called to have dominion over the created order. We have a, it is a great calling. It's, it's, it's freedom. It's, it's great that we get to do this. We should thank the Lord every day that we have this opportunity to be a part of having authority over the created order. 
We also see in this passage, moving to verse 27, that he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And following that, he talks about, in verse 28, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That is another part of, of us being over the created order, having dominion over that, is that God has specifically created male and female, and he has created specifically a relationship, a covenant, right? There's covenants all throughout, especially here in Genesis. You see tons of covenants made. And one of the covenants that he has created is that man and male and female are created, and they are created for a covenant male and female relationship, a marriage relationship. And through that marriage relationship, that one flesh relationship, comes the being fruitful and multiplying. That is part of the being having dominion over the created order, that we are called to fill the earth. And it's not just having it's 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 not just about that we have babies. It's it's about the way that we take care of those children, that we care for them, that we make them part of our family, that we lead them to glorify God. That is that is what it means to fruit, be fruitful and multiply. It's not just having children. It's actually leading children to glorify God. That that is what it is the calling here to be fruitful and multiply. That that is part of the dominion over the created orders that we are called to fill the earth. With, and, and help the, the children that are part of our family to glorify God in all the things that they do. It's one of the greatest benefits of the way that God has created this world, is that he has created that opportunity for us to have that marriage relationship, that covenant, in order to have a family and to, to fill the earth by being fruitful and multiplying. It also talks about in that word, there's another word there that you may have recognized, it says subdue it. And subduing the earth has, I've looked at lots of commentaries, a lot of different viewpoints on what this means. But I think subduing has a lot to do with humbly and authoritatively stewarding the earth that, he, that we have been given. We have lots of resources. We have lots of stuff that we can use. God has, has given us this great earth. Surely, because of sin, there's struggle too, right? There's hardships. There's viruses. There's um, struggle to be able to subdue the earth because of sin. But God still calls us to do that. He wants us to use the resources of this world. But he also wants us to take care of the earth. He wants us to be wise and discerning as we think about. We're, we're not just wasting things. We're not just using resources just for our own gain. What we're trying to do with subduing the earth is that we're trying to give God the glory in everything that we're doing. So our discernment, the, the questions we should be asking as we are using resources, as we're being creative at our jobs, as we're doing these things that God has given us the ability to do, our, our unique calling as image bearers, we need to do it in a wise and discerning way, a way that we're looking to bring glory to God in the way that we do that. That, that is what the idea of subduing is, is talking about. We have tons of, of resources. We have freedom to use those resources, and we should do that. We should use them wisely and, discern, and discerning in a way that brings glory to God. Bruce Ashford says this, The command to till the soil implied that God wanted people to take his good creation and change it, to make it something, something of it by bringing out its hidden potentials. The command to have dominion states directly that God wanted people to serve as his loving managers of the world. Humanity's mission, therefore, was to spread God's glory across the face of the earth by building societies of worshipers who in turn produced cultures that honored God. So that, that is telling us very clearly that God has des desires for us to use the resources of our, our gifting that we have, but also the resources that are all around us in this world. He wants us to use that to bring him glory. 
We are to be loving managers of this world. So again, this passage teaches us this morning that we have a role. We are image bearers of God. We have been given freedom to have this role to lead, to lead this world, to subdue it, to have dominion over it, to be fruitful and multiply. God has called us to do those things. This is our calling. This is our role. This is what we are supposed to be doing. This is our job. But one of the things I want you to, to notice from this passage that I didn't mention yet is I don't, I don't just see this as a job. What does he say there in verse 28? And God blessed them. And God blessed them. I had never noticed that until I studied, was studying this passage this week. It says, and God blessed them. So when he said that, and then he said, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. This isn't just some rote job that we have to do. We just have to follow this. this the, these are the guidelines, the things we have to do. It is a blessing for us to be image bearers, to do these things. It is to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to have dominion. All of those things are a blessing to us. We should see it as a, a great calling, freedom to be able to use the resources that God has given us. That is the type of dominion that God has called us to as a blessing in the scripture, not just as a, as a job. So as a reminder this morning, we are not just image bearers by words. We are image bearers by action. So we have our calling. We know what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to have dominion over the created order through subduing it, through being fruitful and multiplying, and just really striving to be discerning in how we use the resources and the gifting that God has given us. We are called very directly to that. So where does the scripture go with this theme? There's, there's a lot of places I think we see this idea of dominion fleshing itself out in the passages of scripture. I think back to um, the Reformation and, and guys like Martin Luther and John Calvin and some of those guys and the way that they viewed God's glory, because that, that's what dominion is about. Dominion is about bringing God the glory, because dominion could so easily become what I want to get for myself. Look at my gifts. Look at what I'm doing. Look how I'm subduing the earth. Look how I'm doing all these different things. But it's not about us. And one of the things the reformers, I think, helped hone this in, this topic for us, is that it talks about the fact that, you know, we are always called and striving to give God the glory. But the thing is, is that God's glory is already there. We're not bringing extra things, extra. We're not giving extra things to God's glory. His glory is already there. Our job is to say, look, there's God's glory. You see that? See that sunset over there? You see that use of resources over there? You see that thing happening? That's, that's something the reformers always have taught me in my life, is the idea that God's glory is already there. Our job is, is to show people God's glory, not to give God glory. It's more of showing God's glory, that it's already there. God's glory is already perfect. It's already all, all over the place. We just need to show people that God's glory is there. David Van Drunen says, All glory was God's in the original creation, but he created human beings in his image to have dominion over the other creatures. God crowned us with honor and glory, yet all glory belongs to God and not to us. And you understand what he's saying there is the idea of he has crowned us as a special creation. But our job, our calling, is to show people God's glory, not our own. The Bible is really clear that we are not, we are not the owners in full authority over our dominion over this earth. It's clear that we are stewards. We are being used by God to make his glory be known. This should humble us this morning. It should humble us this morning that it is not about us. 
This isn't about us. None, none of this, this, this is about us in the fact that we are his created image bearers, but it's not about us, about who gets the glory. God gets the glory fully in this. We are to serve him. I think of the, the scene in Castaway with Tom Hanks. Maybe some of you have seen that movie. There's the scene where he has worked like tirelessly to be able to build a fire. Like he didn't know how to do it. And he's just working on trying to get the wood to start, can't get it. And finally, he's able to build this fire. And he's standing the fu- around the fire going, look what I have done. I have made fire, fire. I've made it. Like, and that's, that's the way sometimes I think we live in our idea of dominion, right? We think, look what I've done. I've done this. I've created this. I've made this. This is about me. And I think we need to be humbled this morning by the fact that this, this passage and passages we'll see in the rest of Scripture are teaching us that our image-bearing job, our image-bearing blessing is not about us. It's about God's glory. So again, we just were reminded in Genesis 1, 26-30 that we're image-bearers. We have dominion, we subdue, we are fruitful and multiply. So moving out from there, if you were to look in, in, in the book of Joshua, just a few books down, there's lots of the same wording for this idea of dominion. The idea of dominion, as we've moved out of that passage in Genesis, you see in, in Joshua's conquest, you know the story, right? That God has called the people of Israel to, to conquer the Canaanites, to come into the promised land. And the word that is used over and over again is the idea of dominion. The idea that God has called the people of Israel to have dominion over that land. That is their place to cultivate and take control of that is going to be the holy land their land and so you see that over and over again that word dominion is used as joshua is talking to the people as god is talking to the israelites he keeps using that idea of of dominion so that's another place in scripture where you would see that word and it's used as a way a healthy way of god wanting us to have authority stewardship over over a land over a place And for students, this is just a preview because we're going to be studying the book of Joshua this coming spring. Also, uh, Jim read Psalm chapter 8 this morning. Psalm chapter 8 talks about the great, marvelous majesty of of our God, how great he is, how wonderful he is. And it also is a humbling passage because what does it say? Who are you that you are mindful of me? With all the greatness and the grandeur of our God, who are you to even think of us as us lowly humans? It's, it's, a, it's a reminder, a humbling to us. But in that passage, right after he says that, he says, we have, been, we have been given a special role, having dominion. He uses that word dominion again. And what is that dominion for? Psalm chapter 8 tells us. It's about showing and letting people know about the glory of God. So our dominion has a role in bringing glory to God. We are his crown jewel creation, whose job is to have dominion and to worship and to point out to other people God's great grandeur. So if you're looking for a passage to tell people about who God is, read Psalm chapter 8, because that passage reminds us very deeply about who God is and what our dominion is over over the creation. You know, the Bible talks a lot about uh, leadership structures uh, within that he has created as part of the created order, too. And we, meant, we talked about some of those a few weeks ago in Pastor Aaron's last sermon, I believe, from Colossians, where he where addresses wives and husbands, it drives, addresses children and parents, servant and masters, those type of things. So God has created that kind of authoritative structure 
um, all over the earth um, from the beginning. Uh, one of the ones I want to highlight, though, uh, that kind of uses the words that are similar is Romans chapter 13 uh, talks about the idea of government authority. And I think all of us in this room know that because of the flawed sin nature of this world that a lot of times governments don't work with dominion, dominion in the way that they should, right? They fail us. They, they, they are too strong in their leadership, too weak in their leadership. It's because of sin that that stuff struggles. But God has ordained for a government to have dominion. It says that in Romans chapter 13. Let's, let's just read that passage uh, briefly this morning. Romans chapter 13, we'll start in verse 1. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist that have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist, resist what God has appointed, and those who will resist, resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to do good conduct, but to do bad. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. For if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So you see here in that passage, government has been given a special authority to have dominion over their ruling area. And so, again, if the, if the government authorities are overreaching and doing stuff that they're calling us to do, do things that the Bible is clearly telling us not to do, there has to be pushback. There has to be a willingness to say no if they're tell, telling us to do things clearly in Scripture that we're not supposed to believe or to do. But in other cases, if it's preferential, if it's just they're just asking us to do things, we need, to, we need to be under that authority because God has placed that authority. He has ordained that authority. We might not like the person that is in office in city government or national government, whatever. We may not prefer that, but God has ordained that person and that government to be in control, and we must be submissive to that because they have been called to have dominion in that type of leadership structure. So that's important for us to see that this morning, that there is, there is dominion from, um, from governments. And then, um, lastly, Luke, if you'd move your Bibles over to Luke chapter 10, I want to start us to move here at the end towards the, the spiritual realm of dominion. Because so I think it's important for us to see, as we move into the Luke, Luke into the New Testament, that we see the idea of the spiritual realm of dominion. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So you see here the 72 that they have sent out to do ministry, to do things, have come back and, and seen that they have authority in the spiritual realm. Now, I want to be careful for us to not think too much of, of what we have, but we do have a role in the spiritual realm when it comes to dominion. That the, the spiritual forces, because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, because of what Jesus has done for us, they don't have control over us. 
Now, there may be times where we will struggle with it, where we may have demons and things that will come up that will cause us to have struggles. But we know that the spiritual realm, reading this passage and other passages in Scripture, does not have ultimate dominion over us. God does through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and through what Jesus did on the cross for us. So we have dominion in the spiritual realm, as we see in this passage. So we know that there are a lot of false ideas when it comes to dominion. In this. There's a lot of ways that you can twist and turn and, and make this about you. There's a lot of false ideas of what it means to subdue this earth. There's a lot of false ideas and sin nature ideas when it comes to being fruitful and multiplying. Our role and our call is to look at the word of God and decide what is it that God is calling us to do. Not what the world tells us to do, not what is popular, not what we think is best for us, but what the word of God is telling us. That, that, is, that is where we find our role. And so we need to look to that this morning. We need to also be humble this morning again and remind ourselves that we are not in control. God is in control. God has created all of this. God ultimately has the authority and dominion. We are just stewards. We are the ones that are helping to bring the world to understand the glory that he is shining all over this world. It is, it is our role. I think of the lyrics um, from City of Light's Good and Gracious King song. You do, you, you do serve the greater glory. Overcome, I lift my voice to the king in need of nothing. Empty-handed, I rejoice. Those are, those are the words that we need to sing from our hearts. That we have a king that doesn't need us. He doesn't need us, but he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to partner with him, to be a part of bringing dominion to this earth, to have authority to subdue it, to be fruitful and multiply. He wants that relationship with us. He wants us to do that. And so we need to be reminded this morning of those lyrics of that song that we should lift our hearts in worship and humble adoration for our God who is in control. And we are working with him in that control over this earth. So I ask you a question. How are you uniquely called to bring dominion? What is it what season of life are you in right now to where you could be a part of doing this work that God has called you to do? Everybody is in a different season of life sitting in this room. Everybody has different unique gifts and callings. So as an image bearer of God, how do you want to be used by him this morning? So in the spiritual realm, there's one last thing that we see God's dominion, and that's God's dominion over sin. And our ability to have dominion over sin because of Christ's work on the cross. So if you move your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 6, what we're seeing here is that um, Paul is just uh, discussing the idea of, of how Jesus has moved us from death to life. Remember we were just seeing that song up here that our only hope in, this, in life and death is Jesus. And so he's talking about that here in the first 11 verses, how he's taken us from life to death, dead to sin to alive to God. That's what he does in the first 11 verses. And then starting in verse 12, this is where we'll be. Starting in verse 12, this is what Paul writes. Let, us, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are 
not under law, but under grace. So we'll stop there for a moment. So we are called in Scripture to move away from sin, to throw off the old flesh, to throw off the old creation and become the new creation. Now, obviously, we know as Christians that the sin nature is still there, and it's not an easy task, and we cannot do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to be able to do that. But he gives us the permission. He gives us the, the way of that, that we are once slaves, instruments of righteous, unrighteousness, right? But we can be instruments of righteousness. How do we do that? Let's read. So he says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? You have a choice. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, but have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So we see here, we are no longer under the control of sin as followers of Christ. We no longer have to live under the slavery, the, the lack of freedom that comes with the sin nature. We don't have to live under that. It's, we're still going to struggle with it. We still have to ask for forgiveness regularly. The gospel still needs to be the center of our hearts because we need God's grace and mercy every day. But we no longer have to live under the control of unrighteousness because we are now slaves to righteousness because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Sin does not have dominion over us anymore. And someday, it's fully going to go away. Isn't that going to be a great day? When no longer do we have to worry about sin. We don't have to fight it anymore. We don't have to deal with it. I, I look so forward to the day when I don't have to deal with that. But we are, we are no longer slaves to unrighteousness. We have become slaves. We, we have freedom within that servanthood, that serving of God. We, we have freedom in the fact that we now no longer have to live under that dominion of sin because of what Christ has done for us. So what does that mean? We have that gospel victory now. We know that, right? We understand that we have no, that sin does no longer has dominion over us. We, are, we have freedom. We are there. So now that we have that gospel victory in Jesus, what should that lead us to do? It's, it's what we've already been talking about, which is the idea of, of giving God the glory or showing people about God's glory that's already there. So the Westminster Confession says the chief end of man is to glorify God. That, that is our calling. That, that is, as image bearers, that is, that's what you can boil it down to, is that our role is, is to show the glory of God to the people of the world. The people that we have, are in our lives, the people around us, we need to share God's glory with them. Help them to see that. See what we see. See what we have that we've been given. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, is a really good chapter to kind of cover this topic. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, will be verses 12 through 18. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, but not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day which they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only Christ is it taken away. Yes to, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this one comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this passage reminds us that if you are trying to go by works, by your own strength, there's a veil that is covering you because you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ that is helping you. The only way that can, you can be helped to be and you could take away the shackles of your, your sin. That's the only way is through Christ. And so that's what Paul's telling us here is that he's speaking of the Jewish people that they are living under the old covenant. They're living under the law and they don't have Jesus. And so there is a veil that is covering them. But he says now the, uh, in verse 15, yes, to this day, whenever Moses read it, the veil is over their hearts. But in verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It has been removed the Lord is the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us. There is freedom now. There is no longer dominion of sin. There's no longer a, a slavery to unrighteousness. We are able to follow God, to do, make right choices, to be forgiven. And because of that, in verse 18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. I just love those words. Again, like the Reformers taught us, beholding the glory of the Lord. Again, we are not about bringing more glory to the Lord. We are about beholding the glory of the Lord and allowing everybody to do that. Remember the, the, the words of, of, the, of John, behold the Lamb of God. That's, that's the type of way that we should be speaking about the glory of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lord. And so this passage gives us a reminder of, of our image bearing, of our dominion, and how it is an eternal thing. It is an eternal perspective that we must have in this life. We will not have right dominion or subduing or being fruitful, multiplying, doing any of those things we've been called to this morning without an eternal perspective. We can't just be living in the here and now. Our lives should be directed on how we can behold the glory of God and show that to others for eternity. We're thinking long-term. We're thinking past this, this day, this year, and this life. We are called to have an eternal perspective in the way that we have dominion over this earth. All of our dominion on this earth is predicated on thinking about future ways to bring glory to God, to behold the glory of God and show that to others. So we've been called this morning to, to take care of God's great creation and do it in a way that reflects God's glory and also reflects that we are made in his image. The three commands, I mean, oops, blessings that we've been given. You have dominion over the created order. You can respectfully subdue the earth with all the resources and things and take care of the creation that God has given us. We are called to be fruitful and multiply with the blessing of filling the earth and raising children that also behold the glory of God. So let us be great stewards. As we leave this room this morning, let us go out into this world and be great stewards of the creation that God has given us. How is God calling you to uniquely have dominion in the world around us? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this morning and opportunity uh, to be with my church family. Lord, I love Eureka Bible Church. I, lo I love the teaching of image bearing that we've had the last two weeks. Lord, that's just been so great for my own soul and my families, and I just thank you so much for this series that we're doing on foundations. 
Lord, you did a lot of things in these first three chapters of Genesis that really set the stage for the rest of your narrative of your word, the, the words, the very words of you, Lord, that you have given us. Lord, help us never to take for granted the opportunity that we have to freely read your word, to study it, to hear it taught and preached and other things, Lord, that allow it to, to soak into our hearts, Lord. Help us to meditate on it and to make it something that is a part of our whole lives. Lord, I pray as we, as we leave this room, as we leave this church today, Lord, that we will uh, think about the ways that we can behold your glory in this world and that we can think about ways with our jobs, uh, in our neighborhoods, and, and just wherever we're at, opportunities to help other people behold your glory as well. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to, to, to help us to be discerning and wise in the way that we uh, to have dominion over the created order as we subdue the earth, as we're being fruitful and multiplying. Lord, I pray that we'll be wise and godly and scriptural in the way that we handle those things. Lord, we, we desire for everything in our life to be about the eternal perspective, not just the here and now, but the future of our hearts and our world that we desire for us. Uh, we want things to be created well, to be excellent, uh, because we want to reflect you. We want to reflect the fact that we are image bearers of you. So, Lord, I pray that we will be wise as we go forward in the way that we think about having dominion and authority as stewards of this created order that you have given us. Lord, we don't want to leave without thinking about your glory and how great you are. I just think about those words of the things of Psalm chapter 8. It, it does humble us to the point where we just want to say, who, who are we that you even think of us? You are so great, God, and we are so thankful for your greatness and your grandeur and your majesty but we are also thankful for the fact that sin no longer has dominion over us because of what you have done for us on the cross. Thank you so much, Lord, for your um, saving grace and your love for us and your care and that you have created us as your, your crown jewel, as your image bearers, and we want to continue to do that and reflect that in a way that honors you. Thank you so much for this time that we could be together this morning. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen.